AO2 Dope Nation. Hey, if you're an educator is struggling with time and money, my friend Alex Sierra, certified financial planner with Cetera Investors, is here to help. Specializing in working with educators, Alex understands the challenges you face from low pay to complex retirement systems. His team specializes in holistic financial planning, focusing on your goals and creating actionable plans to improve your chances of success. Visit his website at www.toryandalex.saterrainvestors.com to schedule an initial virtual consultation with Alex. Mention the code 2DOPE on your meeting to receive 25% off their subscription-based financial planning packages. You can find more info and a link to their website in the podcast description. Cetera Investors is the marketing name of Cetera Investment Services. Security and insurance products are offered through Cetera Investment Services, LLC, doing insurance business in California as CFG STC Insurance Agency, LLC, member FINRA slash SIPC. Advisory services are offered through Cetera Investment Advisors, LLC, California Insurance License Number 0L05650. Alexander Sierra, CFP, is located at 6 East Huntington Drive, Suite 203, Monrovia, California 91016, and can be reached at phone number 626 408 1333, extension 306. Hey, what's going on, y'all? It's me, Hera, up here, executive producing uh, Tudo Productions over here. Um, Listen, you may have noticed over the last few months, it's been really hard uh, for me to get content out there. Um, I got a ton of great interviews just sitting in the canister waiting to reach your ears. And uh, I'm just so time strapped and kind of getting this stuff done. But y'all, I've I've made a decision. And um, I don't know when this comes to life. I don't totally know how. Um, But I know that it has to at some point. I want to start working towards doing two dope teachers in a mic and doing two dope productions for a living. And that's a lot, right? Like biting off a whole lot out there that um, I don't know. You know, it gives me a lot of insecurity and gives me a lot of fear to take that plunge. But, you know, you've probably heard so many guests on this podcast talk about you know, how they just kind of took the plunge and now they're just doing dope, dope stuff on their own terms. And um, I aspire to kind of be like that. So here's what you can do to help. First of all, um, if you are interested in sponsoring the podcast, hit us up and I'm happy to sit down and have a conversation with you and talk a little bit about what we're looking to accomplish and what we consider an aligned relationship. Um... If you are somebody who would like to just contribute on an ongoing um, basis for as little as $5 a month, you can go to our Patreon page, patreon.com slash 2 teachers, and uh, for a li- as little as $5 a month, you can make um, independent people of color media production possible. For as much as $15, you can also get a sticker, a 2 Nation sticker. Shout out Sham, getting that done for us. And um, that helps us keep the lights on and pay some of the expenses that come with the podcast. The podcast is not free um, for us. Uh, we, we do strive to keep it free for you. Um, another way you can support us is by going to buymeacoffee.com slash 2 teachers, where just for a few dollars, as often as you want to, you can buy us a coffee. And by coffee, we mean <laughs> production bandwidth and um, covering expenses. It's very unlikely that we'll actually use it for coffee, but hey, but maybe we will, and you can make that coffee possible. But we're going to keep on striving. I mean, the number one thing you can always do is just tell people about the podcast and um, tell people to listen and, you know, reach out to us on on our socials. We're at Two Dope Teachers on the artist formerly known as Twitter, as well as on Instagram. You can also find us, twodopeteachers.com. And then we're also on Facebook. So, hey, looking forward to bringing you this next episode, um, but just want to let you know what the goals are. Um, and hopefully we're on our way. Also, um, if you subscribe to Patreon, you actually get our episodes ad-free. So I um, hope you're doing well and uh, can't wait to hear what you think about this conversation.
Hey yo, welcome back to Two Dope Teachers and a Microphone. What's going on? It's me, Gerardo Munoz, your 2021 Colorado Teacher of the Year. Yeah, I'm going to say that forever. Um, and, you know, I, I hope that you will celebrate it with me because it was probably the single most transformative moment in my teaching career. Anyway, I'm over here. Kevin is not here for this conversation. The conversation was actually recorded during the day due to our guest's availability, and Kevin is still working in schools, and I did this at lunch. So, don't come for me. It was on my lunch hour. Anyway, we are here. Um, In just a moment, you're gonna get a chance to hear me speak with uh, Rebecca Peterson, the 2023 National Teacher of the Year, a secondary math teacher out of Tulsa, Oklahoma. Really, really amazing conversation and uh, one that really tests (laughs) some of my um, fundamental ways of being, um, shall we say. Um, This is a very positive individual who is fully aware of the struggles in the world right now. And while she faces those things with um, courage, having the spotlight on her, she also understands the importance of joy and just finding the one good thing every day um, that can uh, that can maybe be a game changer for you at times. Um, so we'll get into that conversation in just a second. And I'll tell you, um, this conversation that I had with Rebecca um, is just... It's just really kind of timely in my life. Like those of you who know me well, and you've probably seen this pop up on the podcast from time to time, I sometimes struggle with positivity. I I sometimes struggle with optimism. And, you know, I always thought it was because I was just this total critical thinker um, that I always ascribe positivity to, to naivete. Um, if you're feeling positive, then obviously you are naive and you don't know what's really going on. And, and that, that's unfair to positive people, but it's also unfair to me because as so many of my loved ones around me have really just tried to teach me, um, I deserve joy. I deserve to be happy at times. I I deserve to be present and in the moment. And I'm just, I just haven't been good at that in the past. And so the last year has been really challenging, especially this summer was really challenging. Um, I'm kind of, I kind of found myself at this crossroads at my job um, where I had to think about if I was going to show up as my full self or not. And uh, that's a very difficult place to be. And maybe some of you are surprised to hear me say that. Um, but I actually think some of you are probably not surprised to hear me say that at all. Um, there's times that I don't show up as, as my true self and it's not just because of the environment. It's not just because of the way these systems often see people of color, particularly black and brown people. Um, it's, you know, it's not just that in a way, sometimes it feels like I'm just kind of protecting myself, um, that, if I just don't fully show up, then I don't have to feel rejected. And that's been a big thing. You know, I'm, I'm doing some writing over on my Substack, um, so feel free to head over there and check it out. Um, you know, I want to do this piece about being seen and how it's sort of shifted for me. Um, I was a person that sought affirmation at every turn, and I didn't see any end in sight. Because affirmations are kind of addictive. I'm not saying that they're bad. They're, they're not bad. Um, it feels good when another person sees good work that you're doing or good things that you're into or good qualities that you have. That's always a good thing. But if that's the only basis for where I am feeling seen and valued, it's just not healthy and it becomes addictive and it becomes, it's like you need more and more and more, right? Just just like a... a just like an addiction to a substance, right? So I, I kind of crashed out over the summer and some things kind of went down in this, um, you know, this hard moment for me, but I just have to shout out some people and you, you know who you are um, who were honest with me and direct with me and um, loving towards me as I tried to turn this corner. I've learned that it's more important for me to see myself than it is for others to see me. And maybe 
If I see myself, it doesn't actually matter that much whether others see me because how I show up, how I engage, and how I try to leave a positive imprint on the world comes from within, you know. So stay tuned um, for this little healing journey. A, if you want to support Two Dope Teachers and a Mic, um, you can head over to patreon.com slash two dope teachers for $5 a month. You can help us make um, independent people of color produced media possible. We're bringing stories that just aren't being highlighted in other spaces, and we're bringing stories in a way that I would argue is unique. I think when you listen to Two Dope Teachers and a Mic, whether it's just me, whether it's me and Kev, whether it's some of the dope guest hosts we have had, you're just getting something different. And that different thing is something that I think is really valuable. Um, if you know, if your income is a little bit unpredictable, well, if it's, if it's unpredictable, like head over to Satara Investors and you know, uh, hit up Tori and Alex; they can help you out. Not just kidding. Um, no, but actually do that. Um, but you know, if it's kind of up and down with um, with the money coming in, we know a lot of you are scraping by, particularly in the really overpriced city of Denver. But maybe you have a few bucks um, to support that you can throw our way. Uh, head over to buymeacoffee.com slash two dope teachers um, where you can buy us virtual coffee and um, continue to support the work that we're doing. Um, the simplest thing you can do is just tell your friends and colleagues that there's this dope podcast um, that answers a lot of your questions. And man, we got some wicked cool stuff that we're working on um, in the coming uh, months and year that, that we really think that you're going to enjoy and having a little bit of an investment, um, whether it's an investment of time or an investment of money is really valuable to us. Follow us on socials at two dope teachers on Instagram and Twitter. We're on Facebook. We're everywhere. So here's the introduction. Um, so Rebecca Peterson, the 2023 national teacher of the year is a math teacher who loves stories. Rebecca's taught high school math classes ranging from intermediate algebra to advanced placement calculus for 11 years at Union High School in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Amid a difficult first year of high school teaching, she found the One Good Thing blog. She credits daily posting there to helping her recognize the beautiful and positive experiences occurring in her classroom, which inspired her to stay in the profession. She has since contributed 1,400 posts to the blog. This is why I thought it was her blog. <laughs> As Oklahoma Teacher of the Year, she has visited teachers across the state to highlight their important work through the Teachers of Oklahoma campaign. As National Teacher of the Year, Rebecca is using her platform to highlight teachers' stories of the good that's happening in education. Teaching is a profession that affords creativity, autonomy, and purpose. And Rebecca believes that highlighting the stories of joy happening in classrooms across the country will help encourage current teachers and attract new educators to the profession. Rebecca is a proud immigrant of Swedish-Iranian descent and has lived in several countries around the world as her parents traveled as medical missionaries. Her own experience with supportive teachers who celebrated her diversity in math abilities informs Rebecca's efforts to create a supportive and accessible classroom for students. She values listening to students' stories as a way to better understand them and elevate their voice. Before joining the faculty at Union High School, Rebecca taught for three years at the collegiate level. She holds a bachelor's degree in mathematics from Oklahoma Wesleyan University and a master's degree in mathematics from the University of South Dakota. She lives in Tulsa, Oklahoma with her husband Brett and son Jonas, and she enjoys reading, crafting, and playing board games. Here's our conversation. What's up, everybody? It's me, Gerardo Munoz, your 2021 Colorado Teacher of the Year. My the forever 2021 Colorado Teacher of the Year is what they keep telling me. And I am here with the amazing Rebecca Peterson, 2023 National Teacher of the Year. <laughs> How are you today? <laughs> I am good. How are you? Is that the best intro you've ever gotten? Like, that's, that's a real good intro. <laughs> yeah, it's it's good. I, I understand you can't like necessarily because other people might get their feelings hurt, and so so I get it. <laughs> totally makes sense. Uh, Rebecca, you are in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Thank you for being on the show for coming on the most dangerous podcast in the schoolhouse. 
Uh, we are here remixing the conversation on race, power, and education. Um, so I want to get kind of get right to it. Um, when you were announced as a finalist, um, I learned about your One Good Thing blog. And yeah. um, and I sort of – so I looked at it, I'm like, oh, that's interesting because obviously – for a lot of classroom teachers it's often difficult to identify that one good thing mm-hmm. and like i dove in and i'm cynical rebecca i'm like <laughs> i'm like a cynical <laughs> person <laughs> and i'm like do i want to read this like do and then i got a couple of entries in and i was really glad that i spent the time um what is it that um what is it that motivated you to create this blog yeah, so I actually did not create it. Um, I did oh, ministry. research. <laughs> no, no, you're good. Um, I uh, it was it was pretty brand new, like collaborative blog when I switched over from teaching college to high school in 2012, and that switch for me, you know, to nobody's surprise except apparently my own. Was like, <laughs> oh, it's funny how that works. You're like, I thought I had this. I thought I had this, and. Everybody knew it was going to be hard, and somehow I didn't. <laughs> exactly. Yes, I joke that I went from, like, this classroom space where students were, like, paying to hear what I had to say to this classroom <laughs> space where, like, students were more or less, like, forced to hear what I had to say. Um, yes. And it, it was. It was a real shock to my system. Mm. Um, and I, too, am pretty cynical. I, I say, like, I'm naturally, I feel kind of wired as, like, glass half empty kind of gal. Um yeah. And so I really had one foot out the door. I was I was ready to just be done um, and wow. go back to college teaching. Um, and then I stumbled upon, again, this really new collective blog. And it orig- originally was just math teachers that yeah. um, I just like connected with because they were like, yeah, this, <laughs> this work is hard. And <laughs> they... But then they they decided to sort of live by this mantra that every day may not be good, but there's something yeah. good in every day. And mm. you know, it, that quote just really resonated. Every day may not be good, but there's something good in every day. Yeah. Yeah. I need that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and it just like, to me, like beautifully encapsulated the difficulty of the work while still sort of. I don't know, putting sort of the ownership on me to yeah. look for the beautiful in it within the difficult. Right. Yeah. Um, Cause like life is hard, but life yeah. is also beautiful. And so um, I decided to join and not just join. I decided to like be the weird one that like actually posted every single day. <laughs> um, and so I um, say I'm one of the, the co-administrators told me today and it was just so kind that like I kind of breathed life back into the to the blog and maybe maybe sustained it in a way um but yeah so I just kind of kept writing and writing one good thing every day and I I saw really such a shift in Mm. in my mindset and and the brain science backs it up right like when um we decide to be intentional about something the part of our brain that filters that something expands allowing us to see more of that thing and that thing for me was the good moments um and nothing most most of the posts are not big things like they're just yeah i noticed that (laughs) really small everyday beautiful moments that i was missing before you know and i think that if we're not intentional about creating space for those good things yeah then they don't then they don't land you know and we have to create the space for them to land yeah i totally agree with that and um and it and it is interesting because i think what i've witnessed both you know, I spent 23 years as a classroom teacher, and now I've just finished my first year as a central office manager. And what I've noticed is that it's so easy to, um, to move away from that. And I I think that I think during COVID, there was a lot of talk about toxic positivity and that kind of thing. And I actually think that what I've witnessed in a lot of the spaces I interact in is there's been kind of an overcorrection to toxic positivity, where anything that um, doesn't sort of fit into that cynical trope um, is is kind of rejected. And, and what you said about you know the the you being kind of this this cynic who mm-hmm. you know <laughs> needed this mindset shift it makes me think of the Gramsci quote, right? 
right? Uh, pessimism of the intellect, optimism of the will. Mm. And so to me, it really, uh, and he wrote that in prison. So he's like in prison and I'm like, okay, what am I complaining about? I'm yeah. literally not in prison at the moment for my right. political ideas. Um, <laughs> and so the, this idea that we can maintain a lens of criticality while yeah. being optimistic about what we can do with just a mind, mind set shift. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that, that is something I try to be very clear about. Like, this is not toxic positivity. This is not, I'm yeah. looking for the silver lining. This is yeah. insisting on the good, the true and the light having the final word in our day. Yeah. I love that. No, it's great. And kind of to that point, this is sort of an interesting thing. Um, so having, I wouldn't say I've been following the news a ton. Um, it follows me <laughs> on every on every platform that I end up in. Yeah, and so one right. of the discussions that we that they not I don't know, I feel like it's not even a discussion, but we do have this kind of vocal minority that is calling for things like math instruction to just quote unquote be about the math, about content content, skills and you know, you need to be able to calculate things. You, it's funny. There's this. I'm, I'm kind of riffing right now, but there's this kind of dual thing of like we need to be able to teach them the skills, but also don't waste my time with the skills because <laughs> when am I going to use this? It's just so wild to me to like it's listen both. to that. It's like, like, what do we want? So they need to learn the Pythagorean theorem, but I've never used it, and they shouldn't have to use it. It's just wild. Anyway, that's not the question. <laughs> the question. No, but I, has, I feel pretty validated. <laughs> Because I think I, I, I think it's fine. I think I looked at some of your posts on the One Good Thing blog um, and some of the other things that have been released about you before I actually knew what your subject matter was. And so when I learned that your content area was math, I'm really curious. So how do you approach math? Like how talk a little bit about how your pro approach is a little bit different than what people are like, what a small minority is calling for and what we sometimes will characterize as math instruction. Yeah. So uh, how, how much time you got? Um, There's a lot. <laughs> so I am actually really, I'm a trained mathematician. Like I started my career teaching at the college level. I yeah. have um, both a bachelor's and a master's in pure mathematics. My master's, I have an emphasis in advanced calculus. So um, my training is as um, actually as a mathematician. And so as a mm. mathematician and with every mathematician I've ever talked to and studied with, the reason we're drawn to it is because of its beauty. Um, mm. To us, there is like this rhythmic meditative quality about it. And you know how um, how oftentimes we'll talk about reading as a way to kind of transport us into another world? Yeah. That's how math is for me, but it transports me like into myself. And so that is, wow. um, that's how I want my students to experience math. Now, the other side of that is my favorite math class to teach is calculus. And that is <laughs> um, largely because of how ubiquitous calculus is. Like it's all around us. You know, yeah. like if you want to model the population growth of, of a country, or if you want to see the average value of a Bitcoin over the last month, or see like, when am I going to be able to fall asleep if I drink a cup of coffee at you know, 9 p.m. Uh, yeah. Calculus can can help us answer all those questions, yeah. and so I love I, I love both like the application of math as well as um, as well as the, just the purity of yeah. being in a problem, being in a theorem, and just like just working yeah. in it. Um, and then I I try to tell my kids like struggling in math is no more the enemy than sweating is in football. Right? It's proof you're in the game. Ooh. I love that. Yeah. So, um, so to me, though, if if my students are really going to trust me to push them in um, in like some really pretty hefty mathematics, then I also have to know them first and foremost as human beings. Yeah. And so um, we spend um, a, a quite a bit of time just getting to know one another, making sure that there's that trust built. Um, and, and yeah, we practice like breathing techniques on Mondays. We have mindful Mondays. And to me, that's, that's sort of like a microcosm of, again, that, that mindful rhythmic aspect of yeah. mathematics. Fridays, we journal one good thing, right? And so to me, it's like it's all very interconnected. Um, yeah. and, and to say that math should be just about calculations 
um, then I, I don't think you've talked to to a mathematician. Um, yeah. And so I encourage those who who say math is is only about you know numbers to right. to go go talk to go talk to a mathematician and and yeah. feel like that that. Yeah, that no, it, it's it, the way you explain it is is so beautiful because I think you know I was this kid in high school middle and high school, I was really good at what was being asked of me in math classes. And so, and I couldn't really explain why, but the, but the, the concepts just made sense to me. And, 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 you know, I, I, some of um, my former colleagues who, you know, kind of adopt a similar mindset around math that you do um, would say that it's its own language. It's a unique language. And, um, and so, thinking about that way and wishing that my daughter had had that type of experience um, in math classes, I think is, it's, it's just refreshing to hear that there's that perspective out there because it is really mysterious and you can get really, um, you can get really immersed in the mystery of it. Um, Uh And yet we give timed tests of it. And (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I, I get it. Like class periods are only so long and you need to assess, but I, I think the way you explain it is really beautiful. You said something about how um, it's a journey into yourself. Yeah. Can you yeah. say more about that? I love that yeah. phrase. I so um, and we'll probably touch on this in a bit, but I traveled okay. like um, a lot growing up, and um, my my parents were medical missionaries. I'm also an immigrant to the United States. My dad's like you're just like culturally confused. Um, and we like laugh about it, but like, like digging into that, I'm like, yeah, yeah, like I am though. Um, anyways, we, um, my freshman year, we lived in, um, in a country called Tajikistan, just north of mm-hmm. Afghanistan. Yeah. Um, very poverty stricken, particularly at the time, 80% of mm-hmm. the population lived below the poverty line. So then coming back to the United States as a sophomore in high school, um, it was really really difficult you know like I remember like my second day back stepping into a Walmart and having this visceral reaction like almost like I almost like threw up it you know because you just you step into the store and you're like sensory overload like this is more stuff more products more like consumerism in one like one step in in one enormous space entire country is going to see in their lifetime right um and so there is um a lot to like reckon with and um i think this was you know kind of before unfortunately like therapy was really normalized and so it's just you know we're just kind of like left to figure things out on our own um which i'm not advocating for i'm saying that's kind of how i was that's what happened and so to me I think largely how I healed was through math. Hmm. Um, and I, it allowed me to just sink into a problem to not always know where I was going with the solution, but to just keep going. And if my path forward didn't work, then it was okay because it revealed um, it's every time you don't get quite to the solution you're yeah. learning something, right? Yeah. And so it allowed me just um, this, yeah, this way to like sink into myself and to heal um, through, yeah, through just like the journey of um, of being immersed in in mathematics and numbers and trigonometry, and it was um, it's really healing. I love to hear that. Thank you for sharing that. I, I think that it is a sort of trauma, right? That um, mm-hmm. just trying to adjust and mm-hmm. especially during a time when, and, and I would argue that in some communities, like therapy still isn't normalized, right? Mm-hmm. And so um, knowing that that could provide you with um, with a way to process. Um, mm-hmm. Kind of to that point, as you noted, um, so you are an immigrant to the United States. Your parents were medical missionaries. One of the things that gets um, discussed, not you know, uh, not as much as these other you know big things you're working on, is your ethnic and national identities. So mm-hmm. this is a podcast that was originally um, 
created to try to form connections between educators of color across the country. Now it's like across the world. Um, but I guess my question is, um, you know, what do these identities mean to you and how do they guide you in the work that you do? Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for that. Yeah. So my dad is 100% Iranian. Um, he immigrated to Sweden and my mom's 100% Swedish. They met there, had me. Um, I'm yeah. like, I'm, I'm what you get when you mix like two very like um, geographical extremes, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, um, yeah, so then they had me, then they moved to, um, to Oklahoma of all places. <laughs> and then, um, I then... guess that, that should be the next question, right? <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Very interesting. Um, and then, um, again, like they're medical missionaries. So we would, we traveled a lot short term, but then we also spent, um, longer times in, in Central Asia. So I've lived in, um, I was born in Sweden, lived, um, most of my life in the States, but have also lived in Kazakhstan and Tajikistan. And, um, you know, I'm so, so grateful for such a diverse upbringing now as an adult, yeah. but as, you know, as a child, like I, would have a hard, I mean, I remember getting to college, you know, and everyone's like, where are you from? Where are you from? And I didn't know how to answer that question. And when you can't quite answer, like, where's home or where are you from? It can be um, quite untethering. Yeah. And um, yeah, so again, I like, I struggled with that a lot growing up. But then fast forward to, you know, 2012, and I take this teaching job at a just beautifully diverse, culturally rich district. Mm -hmm. We have 62 languages represented. So many of my students are also first generation Americans. Um, or, or immigrants and and we know like we understand each other at this level of you know I say like growing up it was like sometimes I lived in three countries within one city because we would speak Swedish at home then I would come go to school and speak English and then I would go to my my dad's parents apartment who they immigrated to the United States eventually as well and they would speak Farsi right and yeah. so and language depicts culture. So like you're in three different languages, cultures, countries, all in one city. And, um, you know, my students totally relate to that um, because they're balancing so many different cultures as well. And so I say like what used to untether me as a child now as an adult really tethers me to my students. Uh, it, it's, I'm just letting those words like sink in, I think. I also um, identify as multi-ethnic, multinational. My dad came here from Mexico in the 70s. Um, my mom's wife was born here. Her family is from um, the San Luis Valley, which you may not know. It's in Colorado. It's a very small kind of rural community. Okay, yeah. And, you know, I think of how meaningful it would have been to have, you know, a a person who identifies similarly. Exactly. Uh, Exactly. I, I didn't have that growing no. up, and no, nor did it, I. A, yeah, and it's and it's a it's a beautiful thing, and um, the the languages, um, yeah, and I I think I don't think I have to look this up. I will just to do my due diligence. Think you're the first Swedish Iranian American <laughs> to uh, appear on the podcast. Like I feel, I feel like that's highly likely. <laughs> so. So, you know, in what my parents actually live back in Sweden now. So when I visit, yeah. it's interesting because there's a lot of people that look like me because there's a lot of Iranian so immigrants funny. in yeah. Sweden. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think that breaks down that kind of stereotype of different, right. um, different countries that, you know, I, I've learned through my own privilege of traveling that all societies and all cultures are diverse um, that, you know, none of them are monolithic. Uh, right. we, we were in Ireland like re a couple weeks ago and like the city of Dublin is very much a European city in that sense. It's extremely diverse, lots of languages. I'm told there's a lot of Mexicans in Dublin, which was wild to me as a Mexicano. I'm like, what? <laughs> How do we get there? No, no um, interesting. And so you're hearing like Mexican Spanish on the streets of Dublin. It's a trip. Wild. Um, yeah. It's beautiful. So um, we're going to take a quick break. Um, when we come back, uh, we're going to go back to when you were announced, um, and just kind of going from the state teacher of the year, national finalist, uh, to national teacher of the year. So, um, stay with us. 
We'll be back in just a moment. Okay, we are back. Thank you for checking out Satera Investors. Alex and Tori are amazing. They will hook you up. Um, Rebecca, have you noticed that it's often difficult to plan for retirement on a teacher salary? Um, <laughs> that, that maybe we don't have a whole lot of money to like invest. Um, so Alex and Tori, uh, y'all should check. Y'all should actually check out this link uh, that's in the show notes. Alex and Tori, sponsors of the podcast, Satera Investors. Um, are looking at trying to actually make investing and planning for the future more accessible to teachers earlier in our careers. It's pretty cool. Um, And then you can scrutinize it and see if it's mathematically sound because I think Alex (laughs) is a good guy. Alex is really smart. Pretty Pretty sure he did his due diligence, but you know, Always important to have another eye on things. Um, so, um, welcome back, everybody. And I think this is probably why everybody's here is to hear the um, hear Rebecca reflect on this uh, title of National Teacher of the Year. It's a really big deal. So, I want to kind of go back to when you were announced, right? So, the the first time you kind of set foot on a larger stage as a teacher. And then how, you know, so you are named Oklahoma Teacher of the Year. And then there's probably a time when you're like, what? I'm a national finalist. And then finally, the announcement of Rebecca Peterson as National Teacher of the Year. So just take me through what that process was like for you. Yeah. So I was announced as Oklahoma Teacher of the Year in spring of 2022, actually. And um, I mean, I can still like be transported to that day so well because the way Oklahoma does it is like a big surprise announcement in front of like 500 people. So like everybody, we're all all sitting on stage, you know, and um, the the state superintendent at the time called my name. And I mean, there's this, there's this hysterical photo of me really on, um, in our local (laughs) newspapers. And just like, how am I Um, And I was like, what? And then, then I had this thought of like, I, I probably heard wrong and just like collapsed for no reason. (laughs) And so um, very serendipitously, I was actually sitting by one of my colleagues or former colleagues who used to teach at Union High School with me. She had transferred Mm -hmm. districts. So she was a district teacher of the year as well. uh, And, and we happened to be right next to each other alphabetically. And so I looked at her and I said, Cindy, did she just say my name? And she's like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, so, like, I have this moment of, yeah, I think I just, like, made that up. Um, <laughs> you want to, like, walk up there and be like, what are you doing? It's not you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm like, there's no yes. way. There's no way. Um, so that was very surreal. And I just had, um, but just, like, the year of a lifetime, getting to, um, I don't, I, I hesitate to say like represent Oklahoma teachers because they're such a wonderful representation of themselves, but really getting to mm. learn from Oklahoma yeah. teachers yeah, and, um, cool. lean into their work and celebrate their work. And, and I, I kept saying like, my hope was to use like my, my little spotlight, you know, as state teacher of the year to like shine a light on yeah. their good and important work. And yeah. so um, I traveled, I think I logged like 24,000 miles on my little car, like trying to um, get to as many counties as possible and, um, you know, just learn from, from teachers and um, watch them in their natural habitats of the classroom. And yeah. then I um, I would document the good that I saw in their classrooms. And so very similar to like the One Good Thing blog, I sort of started um, just my own Teachers of Oklahoma yeah. social media yeah. Um, yeah. account to, to document the good in other teachers' classrooms. And we would do just interviews during their planning period. And I, I just like, I just learned so much, you know, and... Um, and were you I teaching just, at the time or did you have release time to do this? I had release time to do this, yeah. That's so great. Every uh, state should do that. Every state should do it. It is just, um, you really, I think, to get the most out of your year as a state teacher of the year, you need some freedom. And um, and I was just so lucky that Oklahoma also really yeah. you know, gives you a lot of autonomy on, on your yeah. passion project. And so mm. I just said, like, I want... 
I want to like do one good thing, but statewide, you know, and they were like, yeah, Yeah. sure. Um, So that was, that was such a gift. That's really cool. That's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But it's just like the classroom where, you know, you know how you have those hours where you're like, yeah, you all taught me a lot more than I taught you. (laughs) That's like, that's how I felt like the whole year. I hope you're not completely unimpressed <laughs> with my presence. But yeah. Well, and, and I had, I had this kind of funny moment because I must have misread the application because I'm like I'm dyslexic. It's very possible that I messed up. I thought that I was getting a release year, and so I had this whole conversation with my principal, and then I found out in the spring um, that my you know Kim in Colorado Department of Education is like, no, you don't you don't get a. Re- That's only if you get national. I'm like, oh okay. <laughs> so I had all these plans. And uh, then I'm like, nope, my plan is that I'll be teaching. But I understand we're also uh, Colorado's 49th in education funding um, in the United yeah. States. Yeah. So I'm not, no, I'm not mad about it. I was just kind of like jolted. I was like, oh, yeah, of course, um, of course. But it is yeah. so great. And, you know, just from my 2021 cohort, there is really an impact that those who had the release time and who had, you know, the sabbatical were able to make. And, um, you know, um, all of the local chapters of state teachers, I know this isn't a CCSSO thing, like, but all of y'all locals, please think about making that available uh, to your state teachers of the year. Exactly. So, so then, so that's kind of like state and then, so, but then he kept going, he kept, he kept racking up dubs. just wild yeah yeah so then um then I get this call in December and um you know Sarah Brown Westing's like you're you're a finalist and I was like um excuse me uh, <laughs> and it's one of those things where like you, you keep going back to your phone and you're like did she really call or was that a dream you know right um, you're and- like, hold on finalist for what it's, yeah, no, a hundred percent. I just want to make sure we're talking about the same thing. About the same thing. Yeah. 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 So then, um, and then kind of in between that, I got like, I got to meet my cohort, um, like you, like you mentioned, and that was, uh, it's just amazing how close you get to the other state teachers of the year, even though you only meet up, you know, officially like five times. And, right. And yeah. We've had three of our five trips and I just feel yeah. so so close to them it's like you just kind of find your oh and they love you they love you so much i you know had a chance to connect with jimmy our guy jimmy day colorado teacher of the year um and salt of the earth yeah he's so great he's so Mm -hmm. i love it i love his uh tweets about wrestling he hasn't tweeted about (laughs) wrestling lately and i'm like come on jimmy you are colorado state teacher of the year I need your wrestling tweets. Like I really do. No, but that, but I I imagine because it's, it's interesting because um, you've no doubt had an opportunity to, to connect with Juliana, who was um, our, our year's national teacher of the year. And what's just so striking about so many national teachers of the year is that y'all are so humble. So I can just imagine like what that whole feeling is to say, what me like you know and and exactly and what you just did was highlight the brilliance of your cohort which i think is really powerful leadership yeah i i and i i mean you know this as you know you know this but uh, for everybody listening i feel like the constant need to be like i you know i didn't win a competition i was selected for the job um, yeah. and teaching's not a competition. It's a collaboration. Oh, and I did not, <laughs> yes. I didn't get here by myself. Like this That's is, right. this is the work of so many people who have poured into me, who have encouraged me, who have challenged me. And so like, I hope that I can, that I can just encourage and support like people have done to me. I keep saying like, my hope this year is that I can just act as sort of a mirror, you know, that like, other teachers see a piece of themselves or their story or their classroom right. in me. But like ultimately what science has taught us, what a mirror does is reflect light. Right. And yeah. I just want to reflect the light that is happening all across our country, yeah. all in our classrooms because of teachers. Yeah. Um, and so I, this is like, 
there's no such thing as the best teacher. Like if we, if we could get rid of two conjoined words, <laughs> it would be best teacher. That's what I would try to get rid of yeah. because it's, yeah. um, there's no such thing, you know, the important thing is that we are true to ourselves. Um, It is so important that our students experience diverse ways of teaching, diverse ways of thinking and learning. Um, And so to do that, we can't pigeonhole and say like, this is one way and this is the best way. Um, So yeah. Yeah, that was that was always something that and, and there are various folks who were really well meaning folks in, in my community who even today refer to me as the best teacher in Colorado. And I'm like, yeah, or like you won something. Yeah. You know? it's like mm-hmm. it's it's not like and, and you know, we know that in any process like this, that for some people this is the starting line and for others it's a finish line. Mm-hmm. And um and I think for you and and so many others, it is actually a starting line. It's like, okay, now now I'm positioned to run a race for everybody. And yeah. I remember thinking to myself, man, it, every teacher should get this experience of connecting to teachers across. Obviously, that there are practical limitations to that. <laughs> yeah, no, but I know exactly what you're saying because so I've had like, that exact same thought. Yeah, like Space Camp changed me as a learner. And exactly. you know, I didn't think you would. I'm like, I'm going to space camp besides to entertain my disruptive 12 year old like inner child. <laughs> um, you know, yeah. like, there's you know, and so I think that's something that's really powerful. So when you when you assume that responsibility and say, I do have a platform, I do have a voice, and I'm going to use that voice to speak to and with and alongside. Um, all, all teachers, you know, in the state, yeah. in the country, things like that. Yeah. But, so to that point, um, the, the focus on the countless good things happening in public education, I mean, I, I know that I, I know that you just have to get on Twitter. I'm going to keep calling it Twitter. Um, you just have to get on Twitter for 40 seconds and you'll see a counter narrative to that. You'll see, uh, you know, this kind of you know, um, vocal minority um, saying that the opposite is true. And I know that in, you know, this isn't limited to Colorado. I mean, we're seeing it in Oklahoma. We're seeing it across the country. So, you know, and I just finished this uh, fellowship with some other um, state teachers of the year on kind of pushing back against some of the, some of the rhetoric that's been really harmful to teachers. What's it like as the the sitting national teacher of the year who has this voice and responsibility um, that you take so seriously navigating some of the stuff that is um, that's being elevated and amplified about education and educators and the like. Yeah, it's, it's a really interesting question. I think I just like keep coming back to like what my gut tells me and my gut tells me that, like joy is our rebellion um, and that we hold the chalk. Right. And so that's right. um, Like I am a story collector and a story listener. And so I, I just keep coming back to like, we have to be sharing our stories. We have to be loud and proud about the good and the true that is happening inside our classrooms. And um, my hope, my hope is that we can be so um, so loud about the beautiful yeah. that's happening that the counter narrative, you know, is but a whisper. Um, but yeah, we have to like, we have to again insist on the good, the good and the true having that final word, and we have yeah. to we have to be the messengers um, of, of that good, right? We're the ones in the classroom. Like this is our profession, you know? And I think it's time we reclaim it. And I think yeah. that how we talk about teaching, how we talk about our students, how we talk about our work, how we talk about our colleagues, like yeah. all of that matters. Yeah. Um, and so that that's what I carry. Um, and yeah. that I, I try to, um, really, again, shine a light on the true that's happening and the beautiful that's happening. And I think that, um, you know, sometimes this, uh, at least as State Teacher of the Year, this title that was kind of put on me is like ambassador for teaching, right? Yeah. And, and it, 
and it's beautifully like intentioned, but I'm like, we are all ambassadors for teaching. And I think we We all can take on the mantle of that title. Like we are all ambassadors for this vocation. And to me, I care very much about like who my colleagues are going to be in five to 10 years. I care very much about who's going to be teaching my son and my potential grandkids. Right. Mm -hmm. So if I am not excited about this work, if I am not loud about how meaningful and beautiful this work is, how can I expect like the next generation to want to enter this work? Yeah. Yeah. You're you're speaking straight to just the work that I, that I do in my current position, which is trying to provide the best possible pre-service and early service supports. Um, yeah. to teachers and, you know, in a very real way, and, you know, attrition in Colorado among teachers is really concerning. Um, and it's, it's unsustainable, right? Um, and, and to your point, you know, those folks that never actually enter the profession don't count towards the attrition. And we can't know, we can't yeah. know how many we lost before we even had right. them. And, um, and so I think about that, a lot how do we get you know somebody who is aspiring as a teacher whether they're a high schooler or a first or second year college student how do we get them to to be a teacher of the year because i think you you described your beginning over 10 years ago as being very difficult and frustrating and required mindset change yeah i was 22 when i started teaching I, i taught for 23 years and man like I was, I was ready to leave for years, you know? Exactly. I mean, so how do we get people to work. that place? Yeah, yeah. 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 And I think, I mean, you know, we have to reevaluate our systems um, and we have to create schools where teachers are supported. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. And radical joy. Right. I mean, I think that's the thing about, this concept of radical joy that I wrestle with all the time, because it's hard to feel joyful in Mm -hmm. some moments and in some quarters. But I think that's, I think that's why it's radical is that on paper, there are a lot of reasons to, to give up, to live in pessimism. um, And it's radical to actually feel joy. Um, Yeah. And I think um, I I quote Rob Bell a lot and he says, you know, joy is not binary. Like joy yeah, it's not true. the opposite of that. <laughs> it's a spectrum. <laughs> it's a spectrum. Joy, like so many yeah. <laughs> Joy can hold it all. And, and as teachers, we have to hold so darn much. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, um, no. But like that's that's the beauty of joy to me is that it it doesn't ignore the difficulties. Yeah. Um, but it says like, listen, I'm I have to be at peace with myself so that I can yeah. be at peace with everybody else, right? I have to belong to myself so we can belong to each other. That's beautiful. Yeah. Speaking of joy. um, So one of the things that, um, that you know, and Kevin is not joining us right now. Kevin is an assistant principal. I mentioned that at the top. And so uh, he's unable to be here because he is ostensibly helping to run a school. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) This is weird. Um, so, um, but one of the things that we've built in to the show is something that gives us joy, which is music. And I'm actually yes. working with, yeah, I'm working with an executive coach right now. And, um, and I shared with her some music that is just really meaningful in, in different moments. And for the first time, like I'd start talking about music with people and they're kind of like, okay, yeah, whatever. Yeah. It's a cool song, <laughs> you know? Um, but for the first time ever, this person's like, wow, that, that it may be because you know it's her job but um one of the things she said to me was like this song has so many layers and it really gives me a way to understand what your experiences have been and so i was like oh thank you it's really cool like music lives really deeply for me and i think math and music are so tightly connected i I have a minor in music so i I thought i was gonna double major for the longest time uh, um, then I realized and like, I can't be in have like <laughs> a, a career and only one of them. <laughs> so we have, um, so that our top five is pretty flexible in all kinds of different ways. There are rules. Um, okay. so the first rule is that there are no rules. Um, we, <laughs> <laughs> I think, I think our rules all define what you do not have to do. 
Um, so there's one rule, which is that it can be, it can be five. It doesn't have to be hierarchy. So you don't have to actually rank okay. them. Um, that? it doesn't have to be something that, that represents the totality of Rebecca Peterson's life. Right. right. Um, so right. it can just be, it can be a snapshot. Maybe you do have five songs that are your go-to since you were like 10 years old. I don't know. Um, but it can be a snapshot. Um, also, it doesn't just have to be five. So uh, Eric Hale, shout out Eric, 2021 Texas Teacher of the Year. Eric um, found a loophole to squeeze in as many songs as he could by saying, well, tied for fifth is this and tied for fourth is. So he probably talked for an additional hour about his music uh, just <laughs> in that moment. And so it doesn't it's not limited to just five. And finally, collectives count as one so if you were going to say oh it's wu-tang clan um that doesn't fill your top 13 right 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 um <laughs> so it can Got be it. that so what are the top five tracks or artists um that are really speaking to you yeah well and this is maybe we'll start with maybe the more I don't know, shallow reason. I'm just so jealous of everybody who got to go see Taylor Swift. And I'm like, coping with it by listening to Taylor Swift 24-7. Yeah, exactly. And um, I will say Midnight's is dope. Like I actually like, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm a resistant person. If, if somebody is popular, I automatically don't like yeah. them. I'm like, I don't like them. They're popular. Yeah. Um, but my friend Chris Sock Alexis uh, lives in Maine. He's, you know, part of, um, you know, part of the Penobscot people uh, posted something about Midnight's. I'm like, and he got mocked roundly on his Facebook. And I listened to it. I'm like, oh, shoot, this is good. So, yeah, anyway. I, I think she's quite like the poet in a lot of yeah. ways. She has a song where it's like, um, if I was a man, then I'd be the man. Mm. Um, and I love, like, I love that. Um, yeah. It's very resonant as like a um, a woman a woman in STEM who yeah. you know uh, like not that long ago the narrative was very much like girls' brains just aren't quite wired right for math yeah. you know with that well, and in some quarters it's incredible right. how some people yeah. hold on to that mm -hmm. nonsense mm -hmm. thinking mm -hmm. yeah. and we're still very much underrepresented in yeah in STEM um, so yeah I. Um, you know, yeah, my parents live in Sweden. We try to visit them once a year. I saw she's coming to Sweden in May. Hey, okay. I'm thinking like, I'm, I'm really thinking maybe we can make this happen. <laughs> you, you got time. You got time. Right. <laughs> um, okay. So I have been a Coldplay fan since high okay. school and I just like yep. cannot let them go. Um, <laughs> I just can't. And I went to when they came to Tulsa probably five years ago. And it was, that was like just a spiritual experience. Um, just, they're just fantastic. Um, yeah. and very, like a lot of their songs are very piano driven as well, which yeah. I know really yeah. towards, that was like my instrument of choice growing up. Um, okay. plus the British accents. I mean, you just, <laughs> yes, <laughs> less evident when they're singing, but like, yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> um, Let's see here. One Republic is another one I've really stuck with over the years. They're yeah. um, they're from Tulsa. Um, oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if they would say that, but like Tulsa very much claims them. <laughs> they better. I remember when India Re tried to claim Atlanta. I'm like, um, you're from Denver. Like, I know you well, moved I, right. to Atlanta, but right. you're from Denver. So and as yeah, you say, I think they live in Colorado now. But oh, okay the school here so like we're one married. republic if you are listening to this don't forget your roots you're from tulsa don't forget like, your roots don't forget your roots like you can be here yeah but don't be claiming yeah. colorado right <laughs> and i got to see them in concert it was wild like we were in my husband and i were in graduate school in south dakota and they it was like right as they were rising to fame and they like yeah. the university must have booked them i'm guessing like six months to a year in advance right and yeah. so they came to this tiny, honestly tiny little venue for them but yep. i'm assuming like they had committed and they came and it was um oh it's just like it was a really beautiful experience. experience yeah they're good they're good yeah. my daughter was into them and then she wasn't because she has such a short attention span when it comes to her musical taste. So, yeah, 
Definitely. All right. Someone like in person and they're, they're describing like how they wrote those songs. It just sort of changes everything, but yeah. um, also a big Ed Sheeran fan. I'm like, I'm exactly (laughs) what you told me, not what you didn't like, like all these popular. Oh, it's um, fine. Like I'm, I'm maturing. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, Ed Sheeran does a lot of like, um, you know, math puns and such. And so he has my heart. Um, and then, and Sarah Bareilles is, and has been a top yeah. for me. Um, yeah. So I think that a big theme here, except for maybe Taylor Swift is like, I love, um, piano heavy. Yeah. Songs. And, and, and lyricism, right. It seems yeah. like there's yeah. this kind of poetic, uh, quality of the lyrics, which, which actually, aligns very nicely with the way you've kind of expressed yourself and, and shared parts of your story with us today. Um, Kevin's not here to approve this, so I have, <laughs> um, I have the power. So I approve this this top five. I think, I think it's just so interesting because you can have people who love the same artists or the same songs, but for very different reasons. Yeah, um, you're so right. You know, and it, it's, it speaks to the complexity of of musical creation, uh, Jay-Z's book, um, Decoded, which folks, if y'all haven't read Jay-Z's Decoded, you got to read it. It's hard. Um, It's a really challenging read, but he talks about how you can listen to his songs multiple times and they're always going to mean something different and you may never know what he actually means. And he's not actually concerned that you understand his music. Like he understands why he does it and you can make the meaning that you want to, which I think is really, really deep. Um, I think so too, and that like you know, I think some of the best creations they're just created because like that person had to create it, not like they were trying to give the world some great gift. It's just like they just had to get it out of them, you know. Like those yeah, are the best absolutely. creations. Awesome. Well, um, Rebecca Peterson, we are going to get you out of here. Um, thank you so much for taking time uh, to come on Two Dope Teachers and a mic. Uh, this episode is dropping um, as you all kind of ease back into class, right? You just ease in, right? It's like nice and easy oh, yeah. and smooth. There's yeah, never nice a problem. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. But we hope that, that, you know, we hope that this has been uh, really encouraging for all of you as, um, as listeners, as classroom teachers who are going into this work this fall. Um, Rebecca, I think that your message is perfect for right now as folks are just looking for these little things to be joyful about. And uh, maybe we can all have a mindset um, shift. How can um, people follow your ideas and just kind of see what you're up to and that kind of thing? Yeah, um, I'm on Instagram as at Rebecca Peterson underscore because I was late to the game. Oh, <laughs> and, dang. dang you, uh, original Rebecca Peterson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Rebecca is <laughs> R-E-B-E-C-K-A. Um, yep. It's even spelled differently, and I still didn't snag it. And, and then um, Twitter, X, whatever it is, um, it's <laughs> at Rebecca Mojda. Mojda is my Iranian middle name, which means oh, no. news. Um, and that is M-O-Z-B-E-H. Okay. Awesome. Cool, cool. So uh, we do one more thing before we see you out. Um, I'll ramble for just a little bit. When I signal to you, we will say stay dope together, if that works for you. So for um, Kevin Adams, who is co-leading school at the moment and therefore isn't on the podcast today, for our amazing guest, the 2023 National Teacher of the Year, Rebecca Peterson, my name is Gerardo Munoz. I invite you all to stay persistent. Stay cool. It's hot all over this dang country right now. Um, stay joyful. Stay encouraged. Stay willing to push back against negativity with positivity. Stay willing to shine your light through the darkness. But above all and beyond, make sure that you always stay Hey, yo, attention, dedicated educators. As the school year approaches and begins, now is the perfect time to take control of your financial future. We understand that being an educator requires an incredible amount of time and effort during the school year, so now's the best time to prioritize your finances before the busy school year really gets going. And honestly, you got to make time for this stuff, people. We know this. 
Um, that's why I want to introduce you to a trusted financial advisor who specializes in working with educators like you. Meet Alex Sierra, a certified financial planner with Cetera Investors. Alex provides educators with planning for their most important financial milestones. He has a deep understanding of the important strategies related to teachers and their retirement. This is, of course, the school pension system and retirement programs specifically for teachers like us. Imagine heading into the upcoming school year and future years with confidence, knowing that your finances are in order. By taking time now to work with Alex, you can lay a solid foundation for your financial goals and secure a brighter future. Don't let the busyness of the school year hold you back from achieving your financial dreams. Visit Alex's website at www.toriandalex.com. Dot Cetera Investors, that's C E T E R A Investors.com slash two dope. And of course, you got to spell out two dope, T O O D O P E, to schedule an initial virtual consultation. And here's the best part mention the discount code two dope during your first consultation and receive 25% off in their subscription based financial planning packages. This is really cutting edge, y'all. This is a new way of ensuring that people, even who don't have a ton of wealth to start with, can still start building that wealth. Take this opportunity to invest in your financial well-being before the school year kicks into high gear. Click the link in the description section of this podcast for more information about Cetera Investors. Remember, your financial success is just as important as your student's success. Let's start this school year on the right financial foot. Cetera Investors is a marketing name of Cetera Investment Services. Securities and insurance products are offered through Cetera Investment Services, LLC, doing insurance business in California as CFG STC Insurance Agency, LLC. Member FINRA slash SIPC. Advisory services are offered through Cetera Investment Advisors, LLC, California Insurance License, number 0L05650. Alexander Sierra, CFP, is located at 605 East Huntington Drive, Suite 203, Monrovia, California, 91016, and can be reached at phone number 626-408-1333, extension 306.